Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com if you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com that's terryryan2020 at gmail.com Hello, hello, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Good to be with you again. Happy spring, happy playoffs. Uh, We got Jordan Nolan coming up. So I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast are Shorzy fans, I'm assuming, because the listenership has increased significantly since the show came out. So that means that a sizable people are listening to this probably don't realize that Jordan, who plays one of the gyms, of course, is uh, one of two, two Nolan brothers on the show. His brother, Brandon, also plays one of the gyms, as does John Nasty Morasti, a legendary minor league tough guy, a hockey tough guy, I mean. Um, and uh, Jordan has three Stanley Cups, two with the LA Kings as a very important, you know, he had a big prominent role on the ice. And then with the, with the blues, they, they, they won it in 2018. They brought him in for veteran presence as we say in Shorzy, but that really isn't it. I mean, it's a figure of speech, but that veteran presence thing isn't a joke. Teams often do that. They bring in people that have some experience 
that might help the rookies feel a little bit better, you know, that are like a liaison between the coach and the players, even though you are a player, right? So you might be in the minors, like get called up for some games in the big, but people are there to knock ideas off you. Uh, for me, I don't know. I'm trying to think, man. I played with Andy Moog. Can you imagine that? Andy Moog was like, I don't know. He, I, I was... I was 19, okay, and the Habs, that was the thing. I mean, I made it at 19. You look at the Hockey DB, and it's. I think I played three games. I got into three. So, but I tell all these people, go, how come you got all these stories? Because I was there for that year, because I was there all year. I only played the three, but the thing was, they couldn't send me to the American League, which would have been ideal, because you got to be 20 years old which is their affiliate, right? Which was the Fredericton Canadians. I did go at the end of the year. Your junior season has to be over. So you either go down to junior, which we were, we didn't have a great team when I was 19. We, you know, we kind of went for it when I was 17, 18. And then junior, there's a big turnover. So if you're 19 years old and you're on a team that's not going anywhere, either you get traded right away, but I had good stats. So they were like, you know, I had 50 goals in my draft year. Do, 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 what's our goal? Do you want to go back and get 60? Are you going to have a disappointing year if you have 45? How will that be mentally? Like, who's going to be your teammates? Who's going to be your line mates? So they just said, you know, we'd rather you up here practice. We figure that the, the route for you to improve is to practice basically with an NHL team. And if, you know, if there's an astronomical number of injuries, you'll get in, which is exactly what happened three times. And I get sent back to junior at, uh, at the deadline, which was in February, midway through February, right? I got my 16 games in in Red, Red Deer, and then we went on a playoff run in Red Deer. So I did go back to junior, but I was in Montreal from like the end of June the year before because I went there for training. And then Stefan Quintal got traded to our team. There was a lot of things that went on, but a lot of guys that came in were, were he was a veteran at the time. So it kind of did help. And even though, we would go and like train in the summertime anyway and skate in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, three days a week, but we'd skate every day in the morning. And, uh, you know, we'd go out for beers, meals, whatever, but it was nice to get to know Quintal and Breezebois and Mark Recchi left late and came in early. Uh, I used to enjoy that, but you know, guys like Andy Moak, like he was a backup and he won, I don't know, at least four cups with, with um, Edmonton. I mean, I remember him. I was like, what? Like he was 40 or 41. I think he had a daughter who was older than me, I believe. And, you know, why was he there? I mean, he didn't help me much. He's a goalie, but I got to be honest that it was nice listening to him speak. I don't even think he'd remember me, man. He was in his zone. He was at the very end of his career. But people like Jocelyn Thibault and Jose Theodore, right, uh, that were on their way up. Were, you know, Theodore ended up getting the MVP of the National Hockey League three years after that or four years after that, he was the Hart Trophy winner. I'm sure that Andy Moog, he could have been one little percent. He could have been, but I'm sure that he had something to do with that. That helped. Well, that was Jordan Nolan with the St. Louis Blues. Very respected. And it's not like he went out there. Players who play two-way, I find often know more about the game because they have to. Um, ask Danny Cleary. When he was scoring in junior, it came natural. So your instincts are going to take, you know, even you learn the systems, but your instincts are going to going to take you where you want to go. And then you get to pro and you're like, okay, there's lots of guys with great instincts. So, you know, you might become a little bit more defensive. I, I definitely did. 
Um, McCleary is the best example I can think of an absolute superstar, 16, 17 year old, and then became a very important member of a Stanley cup winning team as a two way forward. You know, you, you do it all. You can throw them on the power play. Uh, you know, they happen to have guys like Datsuk, of course, and oh God, Holmstrom and, and, and Zetterberg and down the list, but but he could, if one of them got injured, he'd go on the play. He was on the second unit and he, he fought Chris Pronger in the playoffs. I remember that he was real good at uh, the defensive side of the game, making the right decision. You really saw Danny Cleary make a bad decision. So, you know, people adapt. And uh, I think after you take that two way role, you learn a lot about the game. I really do think that's why I often think that a lot of the scores that it comes easy, don't, don't end up great coaches. Um, and a lot of players that really have to like change their game, you know, because you got to adapt and, and while you're adapting, you're learning a lot. And not only that, a lot of the guys that got one shift, uh, like Ryan Vandenbush is coming here today. There you go. There's a friend of the show blast from the past. Uh, I'm showing Ryan and his, brother-in-law and his sister uh, around for the weekend. He played here in St. John's back in the day and hasn't been back for law. I remember he dropped a puck or something, but really for, for a nice visit in a, in a while. But there's a guy, right? You sit on the bench for most of the game, every game. You're going to learn a lot. I learned a lot. I joked with people about being a grocery stick in Montreal because for a few of those games there, I got my three games in. That must, must have mean I stepped on the ice. I don't really remember, but there was a bunch of games that I put out my gear and I didn't get a shift. Yeah, so I was on Chicklets yesterday and um, and last night. It was a laugh. Great to see the boys. And we're going to the Chicklets Cup, man. We're going to have a great time in a month from now. But I want to say one thing, because with the talk, we the talk ended up getting a little political because of Witt's um, experience at the Toronto Airport and everything. And Biz brought up something about weights in line. And I didn't mean to sound pompous or polarizing or or, or uh, political, if I did. I, I didn't hear anything back on it, so it's not like there's been backlash. I heard nothing. But I did mention it because Biz was talking about, all I heard him say, because everybody was talking, was that he had to wait in the hospital for 13 hours and Welland only had one emergency physician on on that particular night. Now, so I piped in and said, well, you know, yeah, but you got like four hospitals within 20 minutes. What I meant was in Newfoundland here, people often complain you know, if you're in, I don't know, man, Joe Betsarm, St. Anthony, they often have a lack of doctors. But we, we, so I get a smaller place needing more doctors, but I was just giving him shit because I'm like, yeah, but you could you could go into St. Catharines or Niagara Falls, wherever, I don't know, Port Colburn, whatever's in the area, wherever the hospitals are, you know, where some and, and I guess I didn't think about it. It, it. it sounded in poor taste, but I was really only giving them shit. It had nothing to do with the healthcare system, which needs a lot of improvement down south and up here. I'm not saying one right way is right or one isn't. And I did not know he was talking about his mom being in labor. Jesus, I had no idea, man. I just was daydreaming and everybody was talking. So I couldn't hear. But I love biz. I love the boys from Chicklets. I have, did not want that to get political. I don't really think it is or it did. But I just want to clarify that I don't even want to get into that conversation because there's a lot of good I can, you know, and a lot we're, we're, we live in 
a democracy either way in Canada and the United States. So there's a lot of good, no matter what you're talking, public or private or whatever. And that's not where I was going. But there's also a lot of things that need to be improved. A lot of fucking things, especially in Ontario, where I, I hear that they have their own issues I'm not going to get into. But Biz, I didn't mean to be insincere. I love you, buddy. And uh, I'm sure, I mean, we, we spoke after and everything. Biz is fine. I just woke up and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I hate being misrepresented and I will stick by anything that I think and I believe. I don't try to back out of it. I don't cower. Um, but when I'm wrong or I'm misunderstood, I have to point it out. I feel I have to, because even if it's a small percentage of people that turned off the pod at the, at the end of the game and said, you know, know what the fuck he was talking about. Well, this is what I'm talking about. I was, and that is in, in, in Newfoundland, you know, I've gone in places that we've had to get helicoptered in and do, do uh, hockey schools and things. And it does seem like they need some help in a lot of areas, not, not just hospitals and healthcare workers. So I was kind of comparing one to the other without let, letting everybody know. I wasn't clear. And now I am. And uh, Biz, I'm sorry that your mom had to go through that for 13 hours, but uh, you turned out A-OK. And you're a great guy, great friend. I look forward to seeing you and uh, all the boys in uh, July. And that's July 21st, 20th to the 23rd in Buffalo, the Chicklets Cup. Uh, stay tuned. It should be a blast. Okay, folks, I think that's just about uh, it for me right now. I'm going to go make a coffee. And when we get back in two shakes of a lamb's tail, we are going to have Jordan, Jim, Jim, Bob, Nolan. Be right back. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest played five solid OHL seasons in Erie, Windsor, and Sault Ste. Marie in the late 2000s before breaking through to the NHL. In his second pro season with the Los Angeles Kings and amazingly won the Stanley Cup that very year, 2011-12. His decade-long career in pro hockey came to a close in 2021, but not before he'd win himself two more Stanley Cup rings, another with L.A. in 2014, and he was also a part of the St. Louis Blues' successful Stanley Cup run in 2019. These days, you can find him in a fire hall as a recent graduating of, a graduate of firefighting school or, of course, alongside yours truly in the new hit TV show, Shorzy, which can be seen on Crave and Hulu platforms. He is a fantastic forward, a proud player, a wonderful winner, a crowned king, an awesome actor. He knows what's up, and he won three cups. He rolls up the rim, and Shorzy calls him Jim. He watched Fear Factor, and now he's an actor. He's part of King's Nation and beat me at PlayStation. He often wears jeans, and I even steal scenes. He holds his cards close, and his Jim hates lactose. 
Folks, I just bit my lip, and boy, is it swollen. Please welcome my friend. It's Jordan Nolan. Jordan, how the hell are you doing? Awesome. Good to see you, man. How you doing? Good to see you. So my first question is obvious. Have you been practicing your PlayStation? PlayStation? No, it's been a pretty busy year, obviously, you know, with, with Shorzy and then the LA Kings job and just finished up school, having a lot, of, a lot of free time. And right now we started a new house last summer. So doing some yard work, trying to uh, tidy this place up. What is it you're doing with the Kings again? I'm their community relations consultant. So I reached out to them just after I finished playing. I came home in February from, uh, from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And um, wow. yeah, I came back there and then called the LA Kings a couple months later. It took a while for it to kind of come together to figure out what the position would be and um, where they kind of see me fitting in with the organization. And I think they called back three months later. We, we put some numbers together and then drew up a little contract. And then it's, it's been awesome, really. It's pretty much the exact same work that I do with the three Nolans, my brother and my dad, kind of working in, in the communities, inner city youth, and um, just kind of growing the game and, and giving these kids a, a good experience and something they'll never forget. That is unreal. I mean, you explained that to me before. I didn't know the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, and it's, it's great from so many angles. First of all, that, that I like that the Kings are loyal to people that have served and, you know, been successful. And not only that, the, the work that you're doing. So before we get into your career, tell us a little bit about the three Nolans. I'm a big fan. Yeah, three Nolans started, I believe, in, in 2013. I was just in my, my second NHL season. My brother was, was a couple years out, and my dad did a lot of work, obviously, with First Nation youth and, and Indigenous women growing up. So it's always kind of been near and dear to our heart. So we thought, what better way for us to kind of to give back to the communities and, and help work with these youth with doing a, a three known hockey school. So hockey is just a way for us to kind of get them involved and get them to come hang out with us. But in the end, we're trying to just develop, you know, good character human beings, future leaders for our communities. And, you know, what we basically do is, is fly in these communities, work a, a three to five day hockey school, have a pizza night, get to know the kids for a little bit, uh, do a little Q&A and um, really just kind of share our experiences because we all have a different story. You know, my dad obviously grew up a lot different than myself and my brother. My brother had a career ending um, concussion, went back to school. Myself, I, I was lucky enough to play till I was 32, and now I'm on a different journey. So everyone has a different journey, different path that they go through. So I think it's good for these kids to hear our stories and how we uh, made it through. Yeah, that's great. And the firefighting, um, the, the, uh, how did you get into that? I know that they really push it uh, with the PA because there's a lot. The way I understand it, you know, I went, first of all, I went to firefighting school. I couldn't rappel down the building. The heights got me. <laughs> but I remember picking it because I don't remember the nuts and bolts of it again, but the the PA, we spoke and they said, you know, you have a lot of the same attributes. So the players that play hockey, especially if they've been in a position of leadership, it often transfers over for many, many reasons that are obvious. But uh, how, when did you get into it and why? Yeah, I've always thought about firefighting. I think I had a, I think growing up in St. Catharines, I would say about eight of the eight of my teammates, their parents were firefighters or all buddies. They came to every game. It seemed like they had a a really good life and, and enjoyed the uh, seven days a month of working only. But when I finished, you know, it's, I think it's hard for any player that finishes playing because they don't know what they're going to do, what path they're going to go down. You know, I was lucky enough to get the LA Kings job and then Shores, he kind of fell into our lap. And uh, with firefighting, I just kind of want to do something for myself. I didn't want to rely on, on hockey my whole life, kind of providing me some income and support my family. So 
just kind of took it upon myself. And, you know, I, re- I never met one firefighter that, that hated his job. You know, they, these guys work seven days a month and going to the school, it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience, you know, just working with these, these 23 guys, you know, five days a week. I think we were there from like six 30 till, till four o'clock every day, just kind of getting to know each other. And it is, it is a team. That's really the main part of the job is kind of working together and, and hanging out with these guys and, and living together for, for your 24 hour shift. So it's more just, it's, it's more than just kind of fighting fires and, and do medical calls. You also have to learn to kind of live with other guys and work together as a team. Interesting. I love, I, I excel at team sports at the individual ones. I didn't really play them. So something in my mind, I don't know if it was following my dad's footsteps subconsciously. I really don't know what it was, but growing up, I would scoff at tennis. I'd be all right at it, but I just wouldn't want to play it. I'd want to play baseball, soccer, hockey. So for you, you're growing up, what influence did your dad have on your life? And were you the same way? What other sports were you into? And did it revolve around team? I only say that because, you know, you're known as a team player that can fill different roles. And we'll get into that. Yeah, I think growing up, obviously, grew up in northern Ontario. Um, the, the winters are pretty crazy up in Garden River growing up. So the feet was about six feet high. My dad would spend hours and hours making us rings for me and my brother. And, uh, you know, just, just old school, really just kind of flattened it out with his feet, walking on there for hours water in the ring for hours every single night just so me and, my, me and my brother could play but I think I just fell in love with um the competing part of it um I love to compete against my brother you know he was six years old than me so I'd go in net and we'd have some fun but as I got older um you know just just making some friends having some fun but I really didn't play too many other sports um because as soon as we lived in St. Catharines growing up so um, as soon as the school year ended to go back up to Sault Ste. Marie, Garden River area, and there wasn't lacrosse, there wasn't a whole lot. So I really just kind of want to join my community. But um, all my friends played, played lacrosse in St. Catharines. But um, I did try out. I played baseball in grade eight for our, for our elementary school team. And then I did go to tryouts for basketball. And I was a little bit of a, 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 ch- I was a little bit of a chubby kid. You know, I had a stay-at-home mom who loved cooking tall, for though, me. Though. And, uh i wasn't i grew a little bit maybe grade 10 but i was probably like yeah probably like six foot in in high school i played the high school hockey team and i remember going for basketball tryouts and i was i mean i was i lost 30 pounds my draft year to the ohl after i got drafted so so i was a thick kid so anyways i I pulled up to uh i can't do this anymore but yeah i pulled the training camp or tryouts and uh right away the coach goes all right shirt skin shirt skin shirt skin shirt skin comes to me, says skin. And I think, I honestly, I think I turned around, just walked right out of the gym. I'd even try out, you know, I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty self-conscious and that was the, that was the end of my basketball career. So, but yeah, pretty, it was mainly just hockey for me and, um, you know, do some fishing in the summertime. Realize you were, uh, you were a chubby kid. I didn't, I didn't see it coming cause you're, uh, you're well-built and uh, the opposite of that now. And during your career, I got to get, ask you one question. So your dad, you say he made those rinks. Was he a natural coach? I say this because people that don't know, look up Ted Nolan without getting into it. Legendary player and coach. What do you think he was more natural at? He's doing, it sounds to me like he's a natural coach. But I mean, a lot of people will have a parental instinct, but he carried that over into winning at least one Memorial Cup. I remember watching it in the early 90s and a successful coaching career in the NHL. So did you see, were there elements of that when you grew up? Yeah, I think he's just a great people person. I think he knew a way to kind of uh, to push your buttons and get the best out of you. You know, if, if I didn't work hard in a game, I was definitely aware of it. He let me know. Uh, I could have got five goals that game, but if I didn't work hard, he was he was letting me know. So he had this kind of way of, of talking to you and 
letting you know you need to work harder. He wasn't happy with you, but you have a lot of potential and you're a great hockey player. So that's what I kind of fed off. I, I look for that support. Even my whole career, I always kind of look for uh, for validation from my coaches. I wanted to know if I was playing bad or if I was playing good or if I need to do something. So later on in my career, I, I wasn't getting that too much because I was more of a veteran guy, right? Playing in the American League. So I, I was looking for my coach to say, okay, you've been really good lately or you've been really bad lately. So I needed, I needed feedback. And um, that was a good thing about uh, Daryl Sutter. You know, we probably didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but what I did appreciate is that he was, he was just black and white and he would let you know how it is and, and what you need to do better. So, but yeah, throughout my whole career, I think my dad probably watched every single one of my games and he was definitely the first person I would call after a game, good or bad. And then on certain bad games, it was a short, short phone call. But, um, but yeah, I always, I always appreciate his opinion and, he was probably the only opinion that I really, really cared about in the, in the end. That's really similar. You know, I, I, I share a parallel mindset at, very, at different points in my life, um, especially playing. Um, so you're in junior. I, I mean, we could get into it. I find it really interesting because I don't know what kind of minor hockey player you were. But in junior, I mean, one year you led your team in scoring, which is the same year. I think you led it in penalty minutes or close to. Um, you know, you hit the NHL, you're not going to score as much, but you're a big body. You end up, you know, playing a two-way game, defensive. What were you growing up? And when you went into playing the OHL, did you have lofty expectations? I was, honestly, I was so laid back with everything in life. I just kind of took it as it came. But, um, but yeah, it was my OHL draft. I got drafted the third round by the Erie Otters. Um, I went to training camp, and I think it's – the the rookie camp I think it's in May after the draft and they told me I was wasn't even close to being ready so I came home my dad taught me how to train a little bit I lost 20 to 30 pounds that summer uh-huh. made the team as an underager at that point my dad was coaching in I want to say Long Island my brother's playing in Manitoba I was in Erie Pennsylvania my mom was kind of jumping all over the place so it was, it was a tough year but um, I actually eventually came home at Christmas time because I was homesick and just kind of wanted to go to school with my buddies. So it probably doesn't happen too often where, where a kid leaves his junior team, making it as an underager. And at that time, you couldn't trade. I think you, you only trained for, trade first-round picks. So um, I just went home at Christmas time. And actually, the week before I left home, I was playing really good hockey. I was playing with actually uh, Rattle Mare and Michael Blunden. And that was the year that they played the World Junior. So I could have had a really good year that year. But for me, it was kind of important to kind of hang out with my buddies and and have some fun and the hockey will kind of take, take care of itself later. What did you do from January on? I just played for my local junior B team, the junior B wow. Falcons. I, I had no idea. Are you kidding me? You went back and played with your local junior. B. They must have welcomed that, but you get back on track. No, I, I haven't heard that. When you see hockey DB, it doesn't fill in the blanks. I figured those, I figured you were injured or those were the last 30 odd games of the year. Um, okay. So there you go. Don't assume, right? So you go back and do that. You come back to camp the next year. You, you go to Windsor. Is that what happened? Yeah, I asked, I asked for a trade. I think, I think before the OHL draft, I told a couple American teams that I, w- I wouldn't um, attend. I, just, I lived in the States before being in Buffalo, and I just really enjoy you know, Ontario and, and our Canadian cities. So uh, my dad worked with Sherry Bass, and it was the Erie Otters GM at the time. But I think I was just too young. I think I was a little bit immature, definitely got homesick. And I really didn't tell anyone I was struggling. I pretty much just came back after Christmas, played. A, I knew I was going to play for a week. 
And I knew I was going home no matter what. So I pretty much just walked in the coach's office say, hey, I think I'm going to go home. You know, it's been a tough year being, being away from home. I'm going to go home and play uh, junior B hockey. And uh, it was awesome. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, playing junior B with, my, with some of my buddies and, and kids I grew up with. And, uh, yeah, we had a pretty good team, played with some former OHL players. Um, and then I asked for a trade in the summertime, got picked up by the Windsor Spitfires, met my future wife there, um, played some really good players. And I, I don't know if you want to dive into that whole scene. I can for you. But, um, it's, yeah, but honestly, yeah. it's interesting as hell to me. You can go wherever you want. But, yeah, so, yeah, I played for um, two years for Windsor. And um, again, it's my NHL draft year. I think my first year there. I think I had decent numbers too. I had a lot, a lot of fights, a half, a half decent amount of points. Um, but I never once thought, okay, it's my NHL draft year. I need to have a good year or, or focus or or be ready again. I just kind of showed up and wow. had some fun, played some games, and uh, I did that for two years. So I probably didn't reach my full potential, and they were definitely disappointed in me. And uh, again, at the end of the year, I just, you know, told Warren Reichel, the GM at the time that, you know, I think it's time for a change. And if you guys aren't happy with me, then that's fine. So maybe another team will be happy with me and uh, got traded to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. So played for my local team, got to live at home on Garden River. And uh, again, you know, just kind of having fun and enjoying junior hockey. But as you get to that, that overage season, that 19 year old season, you kind of start to think about it a little bit. Because you're like, okay, I don't want to go back to school. I really want to try turning pro. So I hired a, uh, a private uh, trainer, did some one-on-ones. Uh, he was a former bodybuilder, so he knew how to kind of grow muscle and, and work on certain things. So I hired him, kind of changed my, my path a little bit. Um, had a great year. Had Denny LeBert coach me. He played for my dad for the Greyhound team when they won Memorial Cup. So he took care of me, played me a bunch. And um, I think once that season ended – um, the Maple Leafs invited me to join the Marlies for, um, to, fin- to join them for their AHL push. And at that time, I actually, I actually got a 20 game suspension. Um, some kid hit me from behind near the end of the season in Plymouth, ended up jumping him and anyways, got a 20 game suspension. So I joined the Marlies. You yada, yada, 20 game suspension. You, <laughs> you jumped him. What did you do? Pull his hair, crack a fucking beer bottle over his head, 20 games. Yeah, so I I, uh, I jumped him. I I probably knocked him out on the third punch, and as we're spinning around, he's going down. He's falling down, and I probably land one punch as his just as his head's about to hit the ice, and he's got the arms up in the air that you see when people get knocked out. Um, oh, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was a dirty hit from behind. So he's fine. I'm fine. Actually, we end up fighting the next year. But you can watch those two things on uh, on YouTube. Those yeah, two what, fights. What, what, who, who was it? Yeah, uh, uh, I think his name was RJ Mahalik or something like that. So yeah. I fought him uh, at the end of that year. He wanted to fight me again the next year, and I think I put him down again. But you know, he wasn't known as a tough guy, but he definitely stood up for himself and and wanted to address that the next year. But anyways, um, the Marlies told Toronto told me that they would. Um, there'd be a good chance they would sign me if I didn't get drafted as a 19 year old. And, um, I had Mike Fuda kind of watching me throughout that year for the LA Kings. So they ended up snagging me in the seventh round as a 19 year old Went the training camp, had a pretty good camp and they wanted to sign me to an AHL East coast contract. 
because they're figured they probably figured like this kid has a 20 game suspension he's not going back to the ohl sit there for yeah. for two months but little did they know that i was pretty laid back so i was happy going back to do the ohl and <laughs> and um hanging out with my teammates playing some pool and uh yeah so i sat there for probably two three months as the season went on and enjoyed my overage season so i played it as an underager and an overager my full five years and i had a blast in ohl so there was for me there was kind of no rush to turn pro usually everything usually takes care of itself and um that's what i did so i was i was happy with the choices i made that's amazing but you see when you say these little tiffs in junior you see they're the junior teams are are, are judging you on that and on what have you done for me lately because they're trying to be successful but all the while pro scouts are watching you and knowing everything like they know you're laid back they know that potential takes some time to fill and they're just looking at you from afar but i don't think you were ever off the radar that's funny though i didn't realize that you were as laid back as that and not only that not only that so for someone that's just starting to take it serious at the end of junior because there might be a future in it you hit pro and then Almost immediately, like a year goes by, 12 months go by, you're in the minors. The next season, you get called up. One thing leads to another. And at the end of that season, you're hoisting the Stanley Cup. So like 48 months before, you're like, I don't know, man. I'm playing pool. I'm in the OHL. It's cool. And then and there's people out there that are going, you know, that don't that that have played 15 years. Rick Nash. I don't know. That played a long time before getting to the NHL final. And that's that's a large question, a large topic to tackle. But let's just say this. How did the transition go to pro and how far into pro did you start to go? OK, there really might be a chance to make the NHL here. I think I think I knew immediately as soon as I got drafted, I think just the amount of time that their development team put into not only myself, but many players. You know, we were going to L.A. a couple of times in summer. We were meeting in Livonia for these little training weekends. They really kind of invest the time in you. You had uh, Mike O'Connell coming down to Sault Ste. Marie to, to work with me. And that's where they met Jake Muzzin because he was on my team that year. I think he you know, made the all-star team. He might have led our team on points that season. But uh, he was watching me lots that season, coming to work with me. Got to see Jake Muzzin, who was a good friend, and they ended up signing him. But, but yeah, so I had a big, I had a big year and a half of development. My first year pro was um, pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. I think I was generally a third-line player. And then my following season, I had a really good camp. Um, you know, one of the staff members had a good chance of making the team. Didn't make the team, but I went down to the American League. I was playing power play, penalty kill, a couple shorthanded goals that year. And I really was starting to come into my body a little bit. Was, you know, I was, I was skating well at the time. I was, I was protecting the puck. I was, you know, yeah, fighting every now and then. Yeah, we had a tough team. We had me, Rich Clune. We had that Justin Johnson who knocked up, who knocked out John Scott. I think we had Nikki Delorier. And so we had a tough team. It was a lot of fun. You know, when you're, when America's a little different now, you don't have, you don't have those fights or those kind of battles with team. You know, I think every team had four or five tough guys at the time. So it was easy to get into a game, but um, they made a coaching change in January, February, I think. We knew Daryl Sutter was coming down to, for a weekend to watch. And we kind of knew he was there to kind of see me and, and Dwight King, who are two big bodies, and yeah. he liked our style of play. So he came down, and I think maybe a week or two later, you know, we got the call that we were heading up to uh, to join the team on Long Island. Um, that's wild. So you get up there, and, I mean, it, it must be a little bit of jitters. 
how do you remember your experience of your first game and when did you score your first goal and, and who on all that? Yeah, I remember really my first practice because Daryl, he does the same drills every day. He expects a high tempo all out pretty much for 30, 45 minutes, which isn't long, right? You know, some of these coaches are out there for two hours. So we had a solid 30, 45 minute practice and it was nonstop. So that was really eye opener for me. And then he talked to us after the game and, and I was just happy to be there. And he told me that you're, you're going to be playing tomorrow. So if I'm bringing your family out and I was playing with uh, Dwight King, who's my roommate at the time. And uh, he centered us with, uh, with Mike Richards. So that was pretty amazing to play with Mike wow. Richards for my, my first week. And that first game, honestly, I haven't, I haven't watched the game. I've never seen it, but I, I probably had about six grade A scoring chances and just gripping the stick too tight, yeah. you know, a little bit nervous for sure. But I thought we played really well. And then the following game, uh, Dwight King scored his first NHL goal. And I think we were, I think we were tied in the third period. So I eventually got the game winner um, against Dallas as my first NHL goal. And um, yeah, I really just kind of, you know, just enjoyed every game for sure. Took it all. I didn't really think too far ahead about playing well and staying up. I was pretty much just taking it game by game and kind of, trying to stay ready because Daryl's a pretty intense coach. So there wasn't really a time for me to kind of relax and, you know, think that I, I made it and now I'm here to stay. So really up to the, up till we won in the finals, I was just kind of just working my hardest just to stay in the lineup and, and making sure I was um, doing my best for the team. That's just fantastic. I love the whole story, but so you get into the, the playoffs. I mean, so the playoffs in the NHL, I'm guessing, I, I don't know every sport inside out, but, I don't know, man. Like to me, the pace goes, the, the whole game change. It's the biggest change from the regular season to the, to the playoffs in any sport that I know of, at least in North America. And that's only my assumption, but how is that feeling? And you guys go deep, you end up winning. I mean, that's, that's in its own box, but the whole playoffs, is it that much more intense? I think for me, I, I play the same way, no matter what. So my game didn't change. It didn't matter who I was playing against. I played the exact same way. But to watch guys in our team kind of take it to that next level, I think watching like Mike Richards against yeah. that Vancouver series, watching them like Barry um, Burroughs and, and watching Brown bury one of the Sedins in front of their bench. So I think watching my teammates kind of turn that, turn that extra level up was pretty cool to see. And I remember being in the finals and um, I think one of the coaches asked like, Oh, do you know all the, all the D men against the New Jersey? And I had no clue. I maybe could name two guys because yeah. it, it didn't matter to me really. Cause I played the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so it really didn't matter to me who we were playing or, or what their jobs were. My, my role was pretty simple, right? As a fourth liner, just provide some energy, get pucks in pucks out. And, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything about making playoffs. I don't remember kind of squeezing as an eight seed. Um, again, I was just kind of just, just riding the wave and, and having some fun. See that laid back attitude. See that also is part of your makeup. And that, that is a good thing. Um, if you harness that energy the right way, I mean, some people could say, Oh man, you'd be so laid back. You miss out on stuff. No, no. You don't crack under pressure though. Like, cause a lot of people would be really in the NHL playoffs kind of overthinking it. it. It doesn't seem to me that you did that. You end up hoisting the cup. First of all, uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin, but what do you do with the cup? Everybody gets a day with it. Well, I mean, what did you do by now? You've had a few months to absorb it. Did you take it back to your hometown? 
Yeah, we took it back to Garden River, and uh, we renew her again at the end of the month and uh, end of uh, the summer in August. So my parents pretty much planned a good day for us. We had a we had a powwow at our, our ceremonial grounds. I had my buddies. I think I got the couple like a Monday or Tuesday. So I had about six of my closest friends come to town, rent out of the cottage for the weekend. And at that time I was, you know, I was, I think I was single. So we had some fun at the cottage, a um, couple of drinks here and there, had a, a big, big weekend. And then the day of the cup, you know, picked up at 6 a.m. We went to the graveyard first to see my, my dad's parents. And uh, we had a nice, nice family breakfast at the house, really just kind of close and, and intimate. And then um, we started our day. We did a, we did a little meet and greet with the community with some pictures for everyone. We did a, a powwow at our ceremonial grounds. And then at night we rented, I think we rented like a city bus and uh, we just did a little bar tour around some of our local spots. So it was really, it was really a simple day, nothing crazy. And um you know, it's pretty cool for uh, for Garden River First Nation to kind of support me throughout the whole playoffs and to kind of give them that that little bit of uh, a little taste of Stanley Cup at the end of the summer. Yeah, just a great story. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just can't. You know, you, you end up experiencing that two more times. What do you do with your Stanley Cup rings? I'd ask you about each individual, but we don't uh-huh. have 10 hours. I'd love to because I'm fascinated. It's the first thing I thought when I met you. I mean, I, I'm fascinated. I think because I'd, I'd pictured that so much as a kid. I mean, you know, you're, you want to make the NHL, but the way, you know, you're picturing your favorite players with the cup over their head. So you get three of them. Now, what do you, well, I mean, what's fascinating. What do you do with the rings? So right now they're in the closet, actually, I think just in front of me. But during my time, while I was still playing, um, I think I had them at the bank in a lockbox um, just because you're gone away from home so much, right? So I kept them in the safe. And then as soon as my career came to an end, I took them out of the bank, put them in my, um, put them in my closet. And we kind of bring them out to our hockey schools or certain events that we do. You know, I just brought them to my, uh, my, um, my firefighting graduation, show all the instructors and show my classmates. And um, that's really it. You know, I, don't, I really don't show them too much, um, except that our hockey schools or, or special events. But they're pretty much just sitting there. And I got some other things in there. Like I got, um, I got a signed Crosby stick when I was playing, a signed Ovechkin stick. That's good for um, you. Signed Chara, Le Cavier, Aginla. And I was lucky enough to get a couple signed jerseys too. Like I, I love Gabrick. I had to play with him for a couple seasons. So I got a signed Marion Gabrick jersey, uh, a Boston Lucci jersey, a Tampa Le Cavier jersey. And then obviously guys like Richards and, and Carter and Kopitar and Brown and Quick and Doughty. So I definitely got a couple things in my basement right now where I haven't put them on the walls yet or in the garage and kind of decide what to do with them. That's fucking great. Uh, just a couple more before we move on to rapid fire randoms, I know you don't have all day. I appreciate this, but there's so much I wanted to ask you. First of all, did, did you do any acting before? Like, were you a drama guy in high school or something that I didn't know about? Nothing. I was extremely shy. I think kind of switching schools a lot as a kid and in junior hockey, you know, you're switching cities and making new friends. So I actually, I, I remember taking zeros for presentation in high school because I just want to get in front of the class. Ah. And uh, even in, in our speeches, we had to do in grade seven, eight. I did pretty well on them, but they'd always ask me if you want to present in front of the whole school that they do at certain times. And I said, no, thank you. So I I definitely didn't want to do drama. I hated doing presentations. I hated speaking in front of people. But when I got to play in L.A., and as you know, there's a lot of time. So I was crushing movies before every single game, probably throughout my whole career. I saw a movie the night before, went for dinner, 
lots of times for solo movies, just going by myself and kind of taking it in. But I made a couple friends out there. My buddy uh, Martin Sensmeyer, who did uh, Magnificent Seven, he's on Yellowstone a little bit. His career starting to um, blossom right now. So we became close friends and still a buddy to this day. Kind of helped me out with my journey. So um, when the acting came up, I actually I, I use his agent a little bit now. A couple auditions here and there, nice. just to have fun, just to kind of just hey, stay buddy. in it and keep that excitement up. So I had a couple auditions, um, a couple auditions lately. And um, probably won't get any of them, but but it's a lot of fun. And and honestly, like working at Shores, it was a kind of a dream come true to uh, to be part of that environment and just watching kind of how a show is put together. I think it will, and I think your experience. No, I think you will get something. I, I know I'm in the acting union, man. I get a lot from my having no tooth, really, because it's all, it's often about a look, and you you got a real confident, you got like a leading guy look almost. Mm -hmm. So you know, I can see you being part of uh, you know a gang or a posse or you know you're. You're, you're a strong, confident-looking guy. So, And I think what I was going to say is that, you know, the experience of, say, playing in the NHL and winning cups, and I think, I know you're not acting, but there's something to it that I, I can't, there's something to help in me, not, not, not that I want a cup. I'm saying playing pro and, like, answering questions, and you start to lose that fear. I, I was afraid, too, if you can believe it, growing up to do public speaking. I did it. I did it. I had to be really, like, I, it was like, God, I, 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 I had to talk myself through it, but there's something to it that and once you perform a little bit on camera now, I'm not, I don't even know how, how we would do like at theater acting. I don't know if I could take that on. I really don't. I, I, I can't even say I'd love to try it. It'd be a wicked experience, but I might be too nervous, but we're on a camera, right? And we're doing our thing. And as you're living in LA, you're living in the capital of the world when it comes to that stuff. So are you coming like, what is it like? to play for the Los Angeles Kings. Like it must be a different element because not only the weather, but is that, are there celebrities knocking down the door? Are you guys hanging out, you know, at the, at the Viper room and shit like that? It was, um, I think it came in at a great time. I think to play for any city when the team is really good and winning, it's always a fun experience. So to come in at that time, you know, watching all the celebrities come to the games. And, you know, we had like Tom Hanks come in the room, Brian Cranston, you know, when he was at the top of Breaking Bad. Wow. We, we had David Beckham um, at every single game, Kevin Connolly. And uh, we, we got to go to the entourage set a couple of times when they're filming the movie. Uh, so you know, a couple of the guys got in it. But we were hanging on set there. You know, we saw Bob Saget and, and a couple of guys like that. Um, That's exactly what I would expect. I would expect yeah. that. And, I mean, it must have been just a great spot to hang out right i mean you practice and sometimes you got i don't know a few days off i mean what would have been did you hang by the beach ever or was i mean every day in la is laid back you don't have to go to the beach but did you yeah no we live right by the beach right in hermosa beach so oh, okay. probably yeah we had a nice view of the water and um just our days off you know we go to venice beach for the day or, or santa monica um and that was really yeah, we didn't go really go downtown LA go to Hollywood and things like that because that was a pretty big drive but it was really just it really it felt like a small town where we lived in Hermosa and Manhattan it was all locals yeah. so even to this day when I go back there 10 years later you still see the same people you're still going to your your regular coffee shops your perfect um breakfast or lunch spots and it feels like it feels like a small town you know you're still you're just saying hello to the some people who you met there during your time and it's um, for me, it was easily one of the best places to play in NHL. So to work for them now and to go back there every once in a while for a little work trip, you know, it's, it's really just kind of a vacation with 
with a little bit of work mixed in. So it, it, it was a blessing to play there. And, and now here we are on the stars of Shorzy. Well, you're a star, maybe not me, but it's well, I think we're both in the same category, buddy. We, we, we just, we do what we're told. We got uh, lucky, you know, in a sense, uh, well, in a big sense, but uh, interesting when I, 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 you know, I love that area. So we, I used to go out there for hockey camps. I was IMG. I had, uh, they were, they were based out there. There was a, a, a agent or management company and uh, we would go out there manhattan beach hermosa beach and hang out is harry o's still there have you ever if i say harry o's do, have you ever heard the, that word no okay it, it was a bar rob blake used to have it was it was be, right before you guys and i do love that area and people ask me about downtown la i don't even know what it looks like i can't remember going there i'm like i don't know and in the miners i went there too long beach we used to I mean, I've been to L.A. many times, but that's really all I remember. I mean, and, and going down the coast to San Diego, I love that whole drive. But I don't really even remember downtown L.A. So we're there. A lot of these, what I want to know, I know Dennis Leary plays. I know Jerry Bruckheimer. I know Surrey knows a few of them. He's a buddy of mine. Were there a lot of guys that and girls or girls that played hockey, like celebrities? Or was it a, you know, just in the scene and be seen at the game? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of there's a little there's a little pickup game once a week. Um, okay, I heard that goes that. on in the summertime. Yeah, it's invite only. So there's a lot yeah. of big names there. And okay. um, I went down there. I think maybe two months ago just to watch them skate a little bit. Um, Armstrong skates there. You know, but Danny Heatley still skates all the time. Uh, so watching. Okay. I mean, I loved I loved Danny Heatley growing up. He was one of my favorite players. Just just a big shooter. So to to meet him uh, a couple months ago and. I talk with him a little bit and watch him kind of rip around the for breakaways in the, in the pickup game. That was, um, that was the best for me. So, but eventually I'd be nice to kind of get down there and skate with those guys and, and make some uh, connections. Yeah. I figured I'd heard that. And I was wondering, I said, you know, they can't just play out of nowhere. They can't just like hockey and not play. And there's all kinds of rinks in the area. Uh, interesting. Okay. You mind doing some rapid fire randoms and then we'll have you out of here in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire randoms. Okay, first question for Jordan Nolan. Death Row Meal, what you've done, what have you done? You just showed back up to Shorzy and you found out one of the gyms got killed off. It's you, you're pissed off, and you walk into a room with a machete and you lop off all of our heads. Now you're going to Death Row because this happened while we were shooting in Texas. What are you going to eat? Uh, I think a nice steak. It's a medium rare steak, something kind of... Fill me up before I had a, the electric chair. And anything with the steak? Are you are you going? Uh, I don't mash? like uh, I don't like too heavy. You know, maybe some veggies. Maybe a little taste of garlic mashed. Not too much. So I don't be. I don't want to be too full. I don't want to be too full for that experience. No. Uh, superpower. You get given one superpower. What would it be? Superpower. Uh, maybe to fly. Fly would be pretty cool. I think. You could fly. You you're you're on the go too, so that would help. Uh, imagine if you could just fucking fly whenever you wanted. It would change the game, wouldn't it? Uh, of course, of course, it would. Hum human flight would certainly change the game. Okay, you got a backpack across Canada. Okay, so you get a hundred dollars a day. You can't. Your bank card's gone and everything. You got no cell phone. You get a hundred dollars per day. So enough to survive. Just you got to be smart about it because you have so many supplies already. But, you know, I don't know your bike tire. You got a bike. Okay. You got a bike and a backpack. But the point of this is that you have to pick one of these people to do it with. So you only get one. You're biking. 
You got a backpack, 100 bucks a day, like I said, something. Who can make it go the furthest? So you, one of these people you got to go or you got to go with. Phil Mickelson, Matthew McConaughey, Norm McDonald's driver. I know you like more. So I'm just saying that could be pure entertainment. You could pick these people for survival purposes or entertainment. And fourthly, Brendan Fraser from The Mummy, who I haven't heard of in 18 years, <clears throat> but he must be alive because he's not dead. So 100 bucks a day, you're going. So this is basically like a soul searching journey that you're going to get to know each other pretty well. Plus, they might be able to help you out. Maybe they keep you comedy. Maybe that's how you need help. Maybe you're confident. Maybe you need someone to shoot a rabbit so you can eat. I'm going to go off the radar and go with Brendan Bre Fraser. I think okay. McConaughey McCon would be fun. Maybe get sick of him after a little bit with, his, so. with, the, with the stories. But I think Brendan Fraser, you know, talk about his, uh, his great mommy movies. So it'd be, um, yes, yeah, I don't, I don't think you could go wrong. It's the one on the list that couldn't go wrong. Phil Mickelson could be really good or, or really bad. Who knows? As could the other ones. Norm McDonald's driver. I don't know what to expect. Uh, okay. So you're, you're going up. Have you ever sky dove skydived? Never. Is it skydived or sky dove? Sky skydiving, sky dove. Sky sky dove sounds right. I think it's skydived. Um, so you got to jump out of a plane. You got to skydive. You got to pick one song, pump you up on the way up. Oh, it'd have to be something just. I probably honestly it'd probably be like a, a movie score or something like that. You know, a little instrumental. Set That's the, set what the, a laid back guy would say. Movie yeah. score, and you know what? How underrated are movie scores? You know how you uh, often look for. You look for like I used to anyway, like at night, I'd pay anything from fan noise to Enya to get to sleep. Not that I always need it, but if I ever needed a sleep aid and then I just started going with the I, and my favorite is Indiana Jones. I don't know why I never thought. And now I'm playing all my classic movies. I'm not saying soundtrack like Saturday Night Fever. I know what you're saying, like the scores, right? The, uh Yeah, I think like what's the one I like on the nature of daylight, which is the uh, the score for uh, Arrival, you know, Amy Adams movie, Jeremy Renner. Do I ever? My buddy from Newfoundland is in that movie, uh, Mark O'Brien. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a that's great a, movie. Yeah. By the way, by the way, might as well. I I don't have this, but give me three movies you'd take on a trip to Mars. You're gone for a year. You you only got three movies because I know you're a huge movie mm -hmm. guy. We didn't really get into that. Movies, movies are tough. There's so many different categories for Real me. Tough. Like I love sci-fi. One of my favorite movies is um, Sing Street. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. That's, That's a just a feel-good movie. movie. Feel-good yeah. coming-of-age film. Yeah, I would um, never have gotten it. I, I was convinced by somebody else to watch it, and I loved it. Uh, I love The Wrestler with Mickey York. Fucking great movie. It's, there's one of those that gets lost in time. Certain movies, like Shawshank Redemption is so everybody's answer, but and I, and I love that movie, but I often go, like, why did that stay in the zeitgeist of the moment? And a movie like The Wrestler, which had the soundtrack, everything was number one. It was like moving the air. It was, you know, it was up for the, it resurrected Mickey Rourke. Bruce Springsteen was blowing his load. Over. It was just everywhere. And then all of a sudden, two years later, no one knew what it was. Really weird. And then the third one. Um, what was the one I was thinking about? Um, a third movie. I mean, I. Fuck. What do I like? I know this is supposed to be rapid, but it's no, such a big question, you know. But I you can't also just... like listening to the thought process is also interesting. Yeah, so it won't be a comedy. I mean, I think I get sick of comedies. It won't be. Hmm. 
Maybe maybe like to Tombstone, Tombstone, Val Kilmer. What a great! I, I yeah. don't know if I can quote another movie as many. And we never talked about this. That that I mean, it's really subjective. It's hard to put in, but I don't know. But that's my favorite movie ever. I don't know, but it is because it's got a bit of everything. I even find that funny. <clears throat> okay, you're offered a part. In Indiana Jones, The Mummy, National Treasure. It's a movie like that. They're gonna, they're coming out with it. It's called, uh, I don't know, Johnny Archaeology, okay? So you're offered the lead part, but your, your screen name, now you're, you're going to be Huck McGee, okay? So this is on and off screen. On screen, I don't know what the name is, but off screen, just during the filming, the deal is you've got to be Huck McGee. You have to wear a cowboy hat and greet people with how, howdy for a solid year. That has nothing to do with the movie. It's just, hey, if you want to take this Indiana Jones role, we need you to be Huck McGee. We need you to wear a cowboy hat and greet everybody with howdy because we think for your PR, you're better to be a cowboy named Huck than a hockey player named Jordan. Do you do it? Of course, for a chance to work on Indiana Jones, any movie, really, I would I would, I would do whatever it takes. I think to be part of something that will last forever is, is pretty cool. I think like Shorzy. And um, I just had one big audition. I'll tell you about that later. But um, but yeah, just being part of these these future projects would be pretty pretty fun. I think I'm glad you're doing auditions. It took me took me longer than that. Like I I got in the acting union kind of by fluke doing stunts, and I just did stunts for like because that's kind of part of it. Like you can get in either way if you have a speaking role or stunts. And it took me a while to get. Well, I mean, outside of the very first one, I had to. But I I didn't like doing them, and now they're like back in my hand. But how did you find the experience of, of auditioning? Uh, it took a while for sure. I think. I know some people say that the first few are the ones you, you, you are probably the best when you, when you start, but for me, I need to kind of find a groove and, and watching, watching the, the playbacks I think helps too. Cause I think I'm like giving it at all when really I'm not giving too much. Exactly. That's why so. I found Shorzy was tough. Everything I've ever done. I, and I don't know if it, most of it's here in Newfoundland, right? So I'll just go over to the monitor and I'll look at it. And, and, you know, that's kind of part of the process a lot. Or if you're doing stunts, it always is. That's why we look during the hockey scenes. We did that. But I had nothing to go by. I, I like the auditions, man. I, I never usually take the first take. You're right. I look and I'm like, God, my mouth was open or that angle sucks or the lighting there. So it was weird to do Shorzy and not really know what was coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of on your own. You know, Jared was kind of let you do what you thought was right. And then, yeah. then you get a one time, like, all right, moving on. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, totally. But, um, I'm like, Jesus, like my delivery, was it okay? Yeah, it's not about that. Don't worry. <laughs> Whereas most other places, it's like very, they're very specific, right? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But I think watching playbacks helps. Like there's times where, okay, I really gave my all there and it looked the exact same as the take before. So yeah, so watching yeah. it for sure. My last one took, for sure, took like a, a week or two to, to nail is it was about three pages of dialogue so it was uh that one was tough for sure i used to do them all like normal i used to go like what what do they want but now i because it's often about a look so mm -hmm. i'll often go you know what this is my stab at this guy whether they like it or not who cares and, and again auditioning you're not going to get most but i find that's when it's successful they go you know what maybe the guy did chewing a toothpick you know maybe that makes sense <laughs> that's the way i do them anyway you never know um your favorite non-hockey athlete? Hmm. Um. I mean, I like I like I like watching tennis a lot. So I like Nadal and Federer. 
Um, yeah, me, those two are. Yeah, have had some unbelievable battles. I don't yeah, they have a, a lot. I've watched some of their battles on replay. Yeah, they have a really good documentary too about the two of them and their oh, journey together. So that's uh, that's probably one of the best documentaries I've watched for sure. Favorite comedian alive? I know you like. Oh, alive. I mean, it was definitely Norm back in the day. Um, but I enjoy Chappelle. I think, I think he can deliver on so many levels. Just he's, he's so intelligent in the way he talks. So I would probably say Chappelle. That actually, I watched that new Bob Saget um, documentary. Not documentary. It's kind of his, his funeral at the comedy store. That's a pretty good watch too. Yeah, Jim Carrey, Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, Jeff Ross, and I think uh, what's the guy's? You don't you know him? The Jackson is it Jackson? Old old rock singer Jackson Brown. Jackson Moon Jackson Brown. Yeah, he sing. He performs two songs there. Wow, with, with John Mayer. I just saw him like uh, five weeks ago. Penny yeah, so, first concert. Yeah, so that's on Netflix. Like, should give that a watch. I definitely will. I like uh, all those guys you mentioned. My, my, for what it's worth, my two favorites are Chappelle and uh, Bill Burr alive now. Um, each, each for that reason, I find them intelligent. And there's underneath the surface of the comedy are way a lot of layers. It's not just fart jokes, you know, you get fucking 90 percent of the time. Um, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Baseball. Pete Rose. He's the one he gambled on the game. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it isn't really. I think it doesn't really matter what guys do. Even even like guys who are bad people or bad actors, you're still going to watch their films and, and things like I, that. You know, the most hits ever. You know, how can you? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, geez, the most hits ever. I find it really funny that he wouldn't. Funny is the wrong word. It's almost disgraceful and embarrassing. But that's that's my opinion. I, I don't know. He's the best hitter of all time in a game that's about hitting, and he's not in it. And he bet. He, he bet. He didn't. You know, he, he didn't use a corked bat. That would be different. Okay, you got to go to breakfast here. So no booze or anything involved. You just get up. You're having a great day. It's like the day you won the Stanley Cup. You, you're just, it's a positive day. It's sunny. Stanley Cup home went out for breakfast. But on this particular breakfast, you have to go. You have to pick somebody to eat with. Robert De Niro's best friend. Robert Downey Jr.'s lawyer. Michael Jackson's mortician. Or Jojo Siwa, the YouTuber. Probably... Downey's lawyer. I think those guys are pretty entertaining. They have, have a few, have a few, a few stories for you for sure. A lot of people listening probably wouldn't realize because the Downey you know is the Iron Man Downey, which is the second mm-hmm. half of his career. The Downey before that was an absolute madman. Some legendary stories. I'll let you find out on your own for those who don't know what I'm talking about. You have an NHL player. So here's here it is. You yourself are going to be handed a million dollars right now, if. You got to pick an NHL player to score on a Premier League goalie. Who's who's Manu's? Uh, I can't remember. Manu's goalie used to be Dean Henderson. So you get a decent pro goalie in there. You got to and you know, you you got to pick an NHLer to just put a, the ball in the back of the net. I mean, it doesn't even really have to be a soccer player. It's the easiest thing to do of the normal people in regular sports. I think. I mean, hitting a fastball from fucking. I don't know. Garrett Cole would probably be hard to do, but I think you could slip a ball if you're an athlete by a goalie in a penalty shot situation. Who do you pick? Uh, I'd probably go with like Jake Muzzin. You know, I lived with him for a number of years, played hockey with him for probably in junior hockey and in pro. And he was an all around stud in pretty much everything he did. So Jake Muzzin's a good bet. And a guy like maybe like Justin Williams, who's 
pretty competitive and, and likes to win. So I'm sure he'd be practicing for a year before that kick. Uh, those are as fantastic answers as good as any. So now you get the same thing. This NHL player, though, has to throw up for a three-pointer. He gets three cracks at it. Three. NBA, three-point line. You need to get one of the three, and a million dollars goes in your pocket. Probably a guy like Drew Doughty. Doesn't lack confidence. Doesn't crack under pressure. Okay. And would live for that moment. So I think I think Doughty would, would be a good answer. You know, he'd be, uh, he would be nervous at all. You would absolutely know that better than anybody. Okay, now you have to run a triathlon and then go and win trivia. The thing is, you got to do it in a duo and you have to pick a cartoon animal. Which cartoon animal do you pick to do a triathlon and then trivia? Donald Duck, for example, I don't think he'd be fast and he might be a bit of an idiot. Elmer Fudd might be fast, but he'd be a bit of an idiot. Who do you think? Jessica Rabbit? You know, who do you pick? Got to be fit and got to be smart. Fit and smart. Um, and it got to be a cartoon animal. Cartoon animal. Um, Smurfs. You, you could pick a Smurf, I guess. Oh, jeez. I don't really watch too much. A cartoon. Too cartoons. Maybe like um, I watched Arthur growing up. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care about winning the race, stuff like that. You know, just a good guy. Good, okay. good guy to hang around with his buddies. So maybe like Arthur, you know, he wouldn't You're win the right. race. You, you have to run a triathlon. It doesn't necessarily say you got to win it. So you can, you can tiptoe through it, but you know that when you go to trivia, he's not going to let you down. And you know, yeah. you don't want to be next to a fucking dumb or a boring fuck. You know, you got to do this thing. The triathlon's long enough. You want someone that's smart with a bit of intellect. Understandable. Okay. Now you got to solve a crime. You need a detective. But it has to be the member of a Seinfeld cast or a country music star. Hmm. I think I think a guy like uh, like Blake Shelton would be good. You know, I think he 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 could be a detective easily. I think. Yeah, he seems like enough seem- dude. I've seen him interviewed on TV on that uh, that reality show, and he seems to come off. <clears throat> I think I agree with you that uh, well. He seems like that that good veteran. You know, seems like he's been on the force for a while. Uh, seen some things, experienced some uh, some life, so I think he'd be uh, I wouldn't he'd be know, there to kind of to take it easy. Not that you asked, I haven't really thought about it. I just came up with the question. I think I might pick Willie Nelson because of age. Hmm. Uh, but Willie Nelson, no, you know what, Blake Shelton. I'm trying to be different. He'd be whacked the whole time. I don't think he'd be able to. He'd probably be able to sniff out some clues, but not put the answers together. Depends Willie Nelson the, depends what's going on. Yeah, I mean, he's 92. It's one thing to be stoned every day, but to be 90 and doing it, I'm not saying he's not living life, but I don't know if he's going to solve the homicide. You know what I mean? Okay, last question. Thanks for doing this. All-time team for Jordan Nolan, except... So here it is. You've got to go... You and I are, are, are the GMs of a computer-generated, although in this hypothetical world, the players come back in their prime. You can pick anybody for an all-time team. Three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, except... You can't pick Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe, or any Montreal Canadiens. Three players all the time. Um, I mean, I love, I love Mike Richards. I think he's one of the ultimate playoff performers. I loved I, the guys who I'd want to play with for sure. It'd be like, uh, like Pavel Bure. He'd get it. He'd get it done. Would he ever? Um, he was who one else? of the best players ever to watch. 
ever. And I loved, I love Kovalev too. I was a big Kovalev fan growing up. I was, I was tongues out, white tongues growing up. Yeah, sweet mitts. And for D men, I'd probably want like. Uh, Although Kovalev played on the Habs, but I know what you're saying. He's not a legacy Hab. Yeah, not a legacy Hab. Um, or I can swap them out, do like a Marion Hosa. Either picks great. I'm I'm giving you Kovalev though. I don't consider him a you know even though he was he was a good Canadian. And then uh, for D men maybe I like just a nice puck moving D men so maybe Lidstrom and uh, I don't know, maybe a nasty guy. I don't really like this guy. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> Who's like is Niedemar? He didn't play for he didn't play for the Habs, did he? No, he didn't. No. Yeah, so maybe Niedemeyer and Lidstrom, those guys just get the job Great done. Picks. My, my, I actually picked three. I, I can't remember. I had Pronger, Nieder, Niedermeyer, Lidstrom, and I, I, I couldn't put them in order, but those, I know those popped into my mind first. I need a goalie? You need a goalie. Hmm. Let's just go with Johnny Quick. Ultimate. I mean, fuck you. Competitor. He's one of the... You know, how can you argue with that, man? How can you argue with that? That's a great way to end the segment. Great answers. I really appreciate it today. Jono, uh, folks, uh, Shorzy season two will come at some point, I assume. It hasn't been announced, but we're waiting with our fingers crossed, as are you. Uh, do you have anything else to add to this? I mean, I know you want to promote uh, Three Nolans a little bit. If uh, I think we've talked about it. Do we need to cover any more bases? Where are you going to be soon? And do you need to... Uh, you know, your community outreach program we plugged, but is there anybody specifically you want to mention or are we all good? I think we're all good. If anyone's, uh, needs any future actors, there's two guys right here looking for some roles. Wow. Looking to kind of <laughs> spend a couple of weeks filming maybe a new pilot or a, a little feature film or a little indie. I don't know. Anything's, uh, anything's possible. Movie. There you go. We'll finish this segment with a call out to directors, producers everywhere. A buddy cop movie. Makes sense. Jordan Nolan, Terry Ryan coming to a big screen near you. Hopefully we'll talk. Look me up. Send me a message on Terry Ryan 2020 at Gmail if interested. Joe, no, thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. We'll see you soon either way. I'm in Buffalo July 21st to the 23rd uh, for the Chicklets Cup, but I'm going to stay up in Toronto for a little bit uh, on both bookends of that. So I'll, I'll give you a note. I'll shoot you a note and hopefully get to see you. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. And talk soon, my friend. Okay. There you have it. True hockey. Take what's yours. I've joined the true team and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've never used any skates other than Bauer. So uh, I'm, I've heard good things. Take what's yours. True hockey. Wedgwood Cafe. Check it out. The end of Elizabeth Avenue here in, in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. They also do some great catering. Peter Wedgwood. What a great guy. What a great chef. If you're downtown, why not check out Trinity Pub, the Bull and Barrel, and the Rob Roy? It wouldn't make sense not to, right? That wouldn't make sense. Go in to grab a bite to eat at Merchant Tavern and at Blue on Water, of course. Um, now, support local, like I always say. Those are the places that uh, I, I tend to get out to. Um, once in a while, hit green sleeves as well. Uh, TJ's, uh, you know how it goes. Uh, Kodiak THC CBD cream. Next level. Check it out. Uh, Terry Ryan 2020 at Gmail. 
if you're interested, um, not that it's my company, it's my friend Merle, but they still aren't up and off the ground yet, but they do have product. They don't have their website and everything set up. Uh, Steve Brown, the Denture Center, doing me up a tooth as we speak. If you're in town and you need a tooth or anything that dentures do, I, I'm assuming they make teeth. I, I don't know what else they would do. I don't think they clean them. They might clean, clean the teeth they make for you. All I know is that he's a good denturist and he's given me a great deal on a new tooth. So thanks, Dukes Brown. And uh, there's your plug. Okay, folks. This has been episode 107B featuring three-time Stanley Cup and new-time actor and firefighter Jordan Nolan, one of my good friends, one of the best leaders that I've ever met in the game of hockey. Three Stanley Cups, I'll tell you that. And uh, just an all-around good guy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in just a few days. My guest next week is Jason Strudwick, who can be seen and heard with myself on Got Your Back podcast with Ryan Rashog. Also going to do a lot of work on that from for uh, we've been doing it for the playoffs, but we're going to continue into the summer and the new year. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody. See you again in a few days. This has been episode 107B, Tales with TR. Catch you on the rebound.